Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, February 19, 2018, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 2. There is a solution on page 28. We will be reading and commenting on the third and fourth paragraphs, which begin with the distinguished American psychologist and end with most of us favor such memberships. Today's readers are Jen Z, Nancy H, Craig F, Marie J, and Gina R. Our newcomer greeter is Kathy G. The reference number for yesterday's Sunday, February 18th, 2018's special edition meeting is 11064. That's 11064. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jen Z to read the 12 steps of OA. Hi, this is Jen Z. I'm going to read the 12 steps of OA. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for our knowledge, for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, 
Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Gen Z. I will now ask Nancy H. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Good morning, Rebecca, and good morning, everyone. My name is Nancy H. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related outside facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on, on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me serve, and I pass. Thank you, Nancy H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 2. Here is a solution on page 28. We will be reading and commenting on the third and fourth paragraphs, which begin with the distinguished American psychologist and end with Most of us favor such memberships. I will now ask Craig F. to go ahead and read that for us. This is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Can I be heard? Yes. Good morning, Craig. Okay. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for your service this morning. Uh, 
I'll begin. The distinguished American psychologist William James in his book Varieties of Religious Experience indicates a multitude of ways in which men have discovered God. We have no desire to convince anyone that there is only one way by which faith can be required. If what we have learned and felt and seen means anything at all, it means that all of us, whatever our race, creed, or color, are the children of a living creator with whom we may form a relationship upon simple and understandable terms as soon as we are willing and honest enough to try. Those having religious affiliations will find here nothing disturbing to their beliefs or ceremonies. There is no friction among us over such manner. We think it of no concern of ours what religious bodies our members identify with, identify themselves with as individuals. This should be an entirely personal affair which each one decides for himself in the light of his past associations or his present choice. Not all of us join religious bodies, but most of us favor such memberships. Okay. Um, that uh, book, uh, The Varieties of Spiritual Experience, to begin with, I, I have a copy of that. I tried to read it. That is a dry read. <laughs> but it is, uh, um, nonetheless, it was important to, to Bill in writing this uh, in, in writing this book, it was important in the foundation of the uh, of this program, and and um, you know part of the uh, the truth in this is is so simply stated that that we that we don't come here um, all uh, of a certain faith or all of a certain re- theology or religious belief, and uh, and. Uh, we don't all leave the same way, but that doesn't mean that God isn't uh, interested in a relationship with us, and that doesn't mean that God isn't uh, uh, isn't um, active in our lives and doesn't want to be active in our lives because He does each each and every one. I, I believe, and e- even those that uh, aren't sure that He exists, and uh, and and they're they're certainly entitled to that. Uh, I. Uh, 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 I have no judgment on that, and and that's what it tells us. We we have no judgment on that. Um, we have no friction among us over uh, over our religious beliefs, and that you know I wish the world was like that. That we we could uh, live and let live, and uh, you know uh, not uh, not judge each other based on those on those associations. Um, the uh, uh, the thing, though, that I, uh, I, the only thing I've highlighted in this whole thing is the very first sentence, uh, and, and I highlighted it as the necessity of spiritual. Anyone else having trouble? I'm, uh, I'm I highlighted. Sorry you were interrupted, I, Craig. Please continue. And if you're not okay. Craig, please mute your phone. All right. Um, anyway, uh, I highlighted that as a part of the paragraph above as, as the uh, necessity of a spiritual experience uh, you know uh, because I I believe that that is the main thrust of this book that uh, that we uh, have to have a spiritual experience a, a relationship uh, with with a higher power in other words if I'm powerless over food and my life's unmanageable um, that I have to come to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity, or I have no hope. Uh, you know, if I truly believe that first step, 
And I have to truly believe that second step, that there's got to be this power greater than myself, whatever you call it, however you see it. And I have to turn my life and will over to the care of that power. That the first three steps, fun, so fundamental to recovery and to moving ahead uh, unreservedly with the rest of the steps, which is where recovery is found. And living in 10, 11, and 12, which call for uh, confession, admission, and uh, uh, prayer, and you know, uh, call for uh, uh, practicing these principles, so that uh, I can live in that recovery, live in that faith that I have in that power uh, greater than myself. So, I think I've uh, beat this up enough. I'd like to listen to what other people have. So I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Craig. Yes. Um, let's be respectful when other people are sharing, please. And um, who would like to share on these two paragraphs on 28, paragraph 3 and 4? Elaine B. Larry K. Lisa B. Kathy K. Barbara E. Okay, I'll tell you who I have. The first person had a G in their name, and I didn't get the name. Elaine B., actually. Oh, Elaine B., thank you. Was there also someone with a G at the beginning? Maybe not. <laughs> Elaine, lucky you realized that was you. Then I had have Larry K., Raquel E., I believe, Lisa yes. B., okay, great, Kathy K., and Barbara E. Let's see. Did someone speak up and I missed you? Wow. Okay, Elaine B. Thank you so much for your wonderful service. Um, this is Elaine B. Recovered in Massachusetts and grateful I'm able to be on, on live and have an opportunity to share, particularly on this paragraph, because you know one of the problems with everybody in the room, whether they have a, a religion they belong to, a spiritual practice they believe, um, perhaps it's not enough. That was the situation with me. You know, I had a pretty, pretty solid foundation and some spiritual experiences, but I needed to supersize my God because I was not able to put down the food and I needed to, I needed to. And I can't believe the life that I've had since I did. But we want this to be all-inclusive and never exclusive. Everybody has the privilege of taking their own journey, taking their own path. I do appreciate what Craig said about that. God does want to have a relationship with us. There's one saying I've heard, one day without God, God knows it, because I believe our higher power cares about having a relationship with us. Two days without God, we know it. Three days without God, everybody knows it. And that's my experience even in recovery. If I'm not growing, if I'm not maintaining my spiritual practice, I'm going to get restless, irritable, discontent. I'm going to carry resentments. And if I don't do 10 steps and clean that up every day, if I don't make conscious contact with a power greater than myself, whom I choose to call God, then I'm not in fit spiritual condition. I'm in the world to do as God would direct. I'm in the world to be of maximum service to 
to those about me and to my higher power. And I can't be of maximum service if, I, if I'm trying to um, say you can't get in the door unless you're this. Um, you can't have recovery unless you believe that. You cannot um, have a spiritual experience sufficient to bring about recovery unless you practice this or uh, follow that. And, you know, we've done that also with food plans. Um, you know, my way or the highway. I love what it says in the chapter about sex. It says, I don't want, we don't want to be the arbiter of anybody's sex life. Well, we also can't be the arbiter of anybody's food. I can't define your alcoholic foods for you. You need to do that for yourself. I can't define your higher power. We all have a journey where we get to, um, to grow. And we may at step one not even have a concept of a higher power. We can borrow someone else's, but as we continue these steps, we'll grow. And we will be rocketed into a fourth dimension and have a life second to none if we follow this design for a living every day. And with that, I pass. Thanks again. Thank you, Elaine B. Larry K. Good morning, Rebecca. Thanks for your service. The... Um, you know, like Craig, I, I, I pulled this book out too. It was about 25 years ago. This book was assigned. I was, in, I was a younger man. I was in graduate studies. And, uh, you know, this book that was, that was published in 1902, and it was a series of lectures that William James gave, called it The Varieties of Religious Experience. Um, interesting. My book, I don't know about Craig's book. My book had, uh, when I opened it up recently, it had poppy seeds and it had chocolate smears on it. So maybe that'll tell you a little bit about where I was when I read it. I did get a new copy. Um, Bill talks about that um, William James, through his book, was, was sort of like a co-founder of AA. So after Bill's spiritual experience at Towns Hospital, Dr. Silkworth basically said, hey, you're not crazy. In fact, You'd better hang on to this thing. And the very next day, Ebby brought a copy of this book, um, this, this, uh, this book by William James. Uh, is it odd or God? I don't know. And the book contained essentially a series of speeches that James gave. And, and Bill, um, he, he uh, devoured this book. And, and one of the things that I remember from this book, it was a very dry read, but any sort of divine presence is known through experience. It's experiential. So they, they, they went through all these different examples. That means you can't access it by thinking about it. You can't access it by merely studying it. You can't access this alignment with the higher power by debating it. When we turn to a higher plane, it's a distinct act of experiential consciousness. The, the 12 steps it's important to know the 12 steps were built around this premise. We gain access through the doing. And from what I can tell, it's not vague. It's not a semi-conscious experience. It's not some sort of otherworldly kind of trance-like thing that you only get through skill and practice. In fact, it's, it's reserved for anyone. That was, that was the thing with these experiences in, uh, from this book. It's reserved for anyone who has the courage to pursue this. No, no title or degree is required. As best we can tell, it's not, you know, some sort of self-hypnosis. Either, you know, you, I mean, so you don't have to pray or meditate yourself into being worthy of gaining access to this higher power. It doesn't matter if you have an extensive resume 
or is your traumatic childhood too, you know, was it too poor that, you know, this would be a barrier to gaining access? If you're a member of the human race, terrific, you qualify. If if you have willingness to take affirmative action, you're in. (laughs) And the beauty of it is it's a perfectly calm, sane, sound, rational, common sense shifting from consciousness, from the self-consciousness to a God consciousness. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Raquel E. Hello. Hi, dear Rebecca. I hope you can hear me. This is Raquel. I hear you, Raquel. Calling to Israel. Good morning, and good morning to all my family there, my my spiritual brothers and sisters, as Amy says. I love it that we're talking about this book. I too have a copy, uh, in copies in two languages, and as a matter of fact, this book entered my life before I became so thick with program and the one thing that impressed me very much in this book and everything that was said about it by Craig and Larry is so good but there's one more element that most of these people who experienced God in in the description in this book are people who have gone through a lot of suffering including William James who describes in other places also, what his childhood, very sick person in physical illnesses that he has overcome through this deeper understanding of God, and it's an experiential thing, and mostly that there are two chapters in it that speak of the soul that is divided within itself, that it really matches for me, myself, and a lot of other people I know in program who suffer from this split inside that we have a hard time living with our in sin, inside our own skin without a divine presence that unifies it all. And he has a chapter, the divided soul, and then a chapter after that, the united soul, which through some, he calls it conversion. Th- that conversion where you suddenly, like what was described with Dr. Jung, that you cast aside everything you thought of before and a whole new set of concepts and attitudes and feelings dominate you. It's a very worthwhile reading, and a lot of people whom I gave this book to in program have found themselves through it. So I, it helped me a lot, and I, I hardly recommend. But the, the basic of the thing is that you go through this experiential transformation, which, which we hear that in every man, child, and, and woman, it is inside. Just how do we access it? Many times through so much pain that you just can't live without inside your own skin. Big people like Tolstoy went through it. He gives a whole slew of people and concentrates on it that it's not an intellectual uh, process and aspiration. It's just something that happens when you cannot bear the the tremendous pain of being divided within self all the time. And it's worth reading. And thank you for being all there. And I pass. Thank you, Raquel E. Lisa B. Good morning. This is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you for your service. 
there's a few things. Um, the children of a living creator. Uh, that's a really beautiful line there. It speaks to me in so many ways. And, you know, living, breathing, vital, existing. In the big book, in We Agnostics, it tells me that deep down inside of me is where I'm going to find it, not outside of me, like I always thought. And that it's always been there. And that I can search. I can search by looking, seeking carefully and listening thoroughly to all of the testimony that I hear from you guys, from the recovered voices. And that's really what helped me. You know, also in We Agnostics, it says we can only clear the ground a bit. If our testimony helps sweep away prejudice, enables you to think honestly, encourages you to search diligently within yourself, then, if you wish, you can join us on this broad highway. And, you know, it really came about for me as having an understanding of my hopelessness condition, that I'm without hope, that I'm out of ideas, that I'm going to die, if not bodily, bodily, maybe not for a long time, but that dead inside spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. You know, I never knew what it was to enjoy life. I never knew what it was to be present in the moment. I always had that that little voice going on in my head, just buzzing, 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 full of discontentment, full of fear. And it wasn't until I was able to meet someone who was recovered, who in whom the problem has resolved, and who could help me understand what Dr. Silkworth meant about entire abstinence. And getting clear and clean from my behaviors as well as my substances so I could be willing to understand and comprehend what, what the message is in this book. There's one message. There's one solution. There's a common problem and a common solution. I'm not different. I'm not unique. I'm not uh, so far gone, you know, that, that this isn't going to work for me. It's been working for decades and decades if I'm willing to follow this in the precise way. And then the other word that jumps out for me is discover. You know, he felt it necessary to mention this book. And it says, ways in which men have discovered God. Discover means find something or someone unexpectedly in the course of a search. So synonyms mean find, locate, come across, stumble on, uncover, unearth. And you know what? That's what happened to me. I was so desperate to get recovered, get this monkey off my back that was never going to go away, that was only going to get worse, that I decided, okay, I'm just going to follow the steps in this book. And that's what happened to me. I, I stumbled across an experience that happened inside of me as a result of getting abstinent and doing the steps thoroughly and having a deep and effective experience as a result. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. Kathy K. Good morning, everyone, and thank you, Rebecca. This is Kathy K. Recovered in Boston. And I love hearing all the shares. It reminds me that um, what we are told and promised here is that we are going to discover something. Um, we're not going to read about it and intellectualize about it and um, go to lectures on it, we are going to discover something experientially. And for me, that was a daunting task because I had always approached learning um, uh, in an intellectual way, seeking and acquiring knowledge. Um, I didn't really know what to do with myself in order to place myself in a condition where I might discover 
what is later talked about in We Agnostics, that inner voice um, within me. Um, and so I did what I had been told to do, which was um, to follow the instructions of my sponsor. And um, simply she suggested that I read um spiritual meditations, and I sit quietly, and I listen. And um, I did this every day for a long time um, before I realized that I was looking forward to that quiet time. I wasn't just doing it because I was told to do it. I was at a point where I would come to feel something different and special and um, warm and loving and wise um, come into my heart when I took that quiet time. And that's what I've continued to do uh, for um, at least five years now. Um, so um, I'm grateful that I am learning how to search for God I cannot define God, but I know that when I pause and I become open and I listen, um, that I do discover a force which helps me face each day. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kathy Kay. Uh, Barbara E., before you start, let me just let the people who are new on the line know that we're sharing on page 28, the third and fourth paragraphs that begin with the Distinguished American Psychologist. Go right ahead, Barbara E. Thank you very much for allowing me to share, and I apologize for interjecting before. I was, tra I was having trouble hearing our esteemed reader. It kept turning off and on, and I didn't know whether it was my reception or other people were having it. Although this is, for me, an important paragraph. Um, I'm in the world to be of maximum service uh, to others, and uh, men have, a, have discovered powers of good and getting abstinent and having a psychic change which is a massive overhauling of my world, at least, and my worldview, where everything is now not me-centered and others-centered. And on, I believe it's XXIX, in the doctor's opinion, um, uh, Dr. Silkwork says there is no human power uh, that can access it. It just has to be a massive psychic change. And it can happen over after step five. It can happen quickly. It can happen slowly. But the point is, for me at least, a change of this magnitude did not mean my personality ceases to exist, but that it had led me towards a different, important aspect on life. I experienced um, meaningful relationships with myself and with other people. And it did not mean I got abstinent, but it did work towards helping me to, as I said, become other-centered instead of me-me-centered. I had to do absolutely all the steps 
as written in order to achieve abstinence and that peace of mind. Um, I love that it says that this is a program that is all-inclusive. There's no exclusion, exclusion by race, religion, sexual orientation, place of birth. We are all under this huge umbrella. There's no obstacle that can stand in our way. It's not, for me, a one-and-done program. If it were, I would simply stop eating the food and never have to think about it again. But I can't rest on my laurels ever. Uh, like that man that we'll be reading about who had 25 years of sobriety and then thought he could stop and rest on his laurels. That is danger, stranger danger alert. I have to be willing to work my program and constantly reach out to others and expand my knowledge. If I stay stagnant, then I flatline. I must constantly strive to improve my program. And that's Thanks. what this is all about. Thank you so much. I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. Okay, we have time for a number more people to share on these two paragraphs on page 28. Who would like to do that? Wait, 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 wait. The first person, I just didn't hear what she said. Tenzin P. Tenzin P. Okay, sorry about that. Go ahead. Marie J. Did I hear Pamela? Was there a Pamela? Yep. Okay, I heard Pamela. Marie J. Marie J. Penny C. Okay, I heard Penny C. and someone else at the same time. It's Leslie W. Leslie W. Lynette R. Lynette? Yes. B? Okay. Lynette R. Bar? R, as in... Oh, Lynette R. I understand yeah. now. <laughs> I thought you were saying your last name was Barr. Go ahead. Who else wanted to share? Did I? Let me tell you who I got. Tenzin P, Pamela R, Marie J, Penny C, Leslie W, Lynette R. Who did I miss? I didn't miss anyone. Okay, is there anyone I who didn't speak up who wants to put their name on the list? Okay, Tenzin P, your turn. Thank you so much. Good morning. Uh, good morning, everyone, and thank you for everyone who shared so far. So much uh, wisdom in this in these paragraphs and in the shares. Um, so I wanted to touch on just some different phrases in these two paragraphs that have uh, stood out for me. And first is uh, that it says, a multitude of ways in which men and women uh, have discovered God. And, uh, you know, for me, it, it, one of my negative habit patterns was to always feel on the outside and, and to find all kinds of reasons. And uh, this is such an inclusive phrase, a multitude of ways. So I'm clearly told that the path is spacious and wide, uh, which is very helpful for me. Um, and 
And then that it says what we have learned and felt and seen. Um, you know, that's there are so many role models that are uh, given to me in this uh, book as well as in our uh, active fellowship. And I rejoice in, in those, you know, that, that the people who wrote this book are, talk, are using their life to purpose. They're using what they have learned and felt and seen to great purpose. Um, and then as other people have mentioned that it says, all of us, whatever race, creed, or color, um, I'm so grateful for, again, for the spaciousness of, of this program. And um, I've just come from a month-long uh, program that's in the uh, arena of, uh, let's say, theology. And there were people from different parts of the world uh, who are in the tradition I'm in uh, sharing their experience. And it's just such a wonderful, uh, enlarging experience to, to be in the presence of people who look so different, whose culture is so different, but underneath it all, you know, we share a common goal. So I'm very grateful for those words in the text. And then as someone else shared, living creator. Um, you know, I, I take a lot of, I guess there's lots of different phrases in the big book that someone else has even made a list of, uh, of, of different ideas that might point us towards a conception of God. And this is, this is a nice one for me, living creator. You know, and it's just, a finger pointing to the moon, the moon being something that's beyond words in in my thought uh, but but it's but it's a, a good pointer from my point of view and then relationship upon simple and understandable terms. Thank you, God, that it's simple and understandable terms. I need something very user friendly in that sense, so this is a great help and then uh, last. Willing and honest mm. enough to try. Thank you. And once again, the finger is pointing back to me and that the effort needs to come from my side. So thank you very much and um, many blessings and a pass. Thank you, Tenzin P. Pamela, I didn't catch your first initial of your last name. Good morning. Um, Pamela R. B. is a boy. Thanks. Good morning, everybody, and thank you, moderator, and good morning to everybody on the line. Um, I absolutely love these two uh, paragraphs here. Um, you know, I was raised in a, in a particular religion, and in my religion, I was told there was only one way to get to God. And what a freedom to hear that there were multiple ways to get to God. To me, I kind of thought initially that was pretty blasphemous. Um but as I continue to recover and I realize uh, that my recovery wasn't just, you know, uh, a bunch of rote prayers or how I recovered wasn't based on that, but it was based on a much deeper relationship with a power greater than myself, I was able to let go of those vestiges of the past and really open up to see that there was something a lot deeper than you know, just my tradition and the way and the dogma that I was raised in. Um, this really opened me up to even dive further into my uh, belief or, or my newfound belief to find a, a community, a spiritual community that pretty much resembled the community of my recovery 
you know, people from all race, creeds, and color. Um, and and I, I never, I never would have uh, done that. I remember when my father was alive, I happened to take him to this particular community of, of practice, religious practice. And my father said to me, I imagine this is what heaven must look like. When he looked around and he saw people of all creeds and of all backgrounds, of all religions, that really just, I, I thought, and my father, uh, let me say this, my father was agnostic, you know. So um, he knew that there was a God, but he just, you know, could never wrap his head around it. But um, he never joined that, but he had that that insight. He had that that experience, you know, and that's what it's all about. It is about an experience, um, and that's what I had in this program, something that was deep and very effective, and it has helped me to remain abstinent, you know, for the last four months now. You know, I've been in program 13 years, and it's been very, very difficult. But this particular time, I've got a hold of something that, you know, the spiritual part of it that has really given me um, the wings that I need right now to be able to uh, stay in the rooms and, and keep coming back and nerve enough to get on this phone. How about that? So anyways, very grateful to be here. Thank you, everyone, again. And on that, I pass. Thank you, Pamela R.B. Marie J. Did you say Marie J.? I did. Oh, Hi, thanks. Marie. Hi, this is Marie J. Um, <clears throat> I'm uh, recovered in Colorado, and uh, I really had a hard time with the whole God subject when I came into program. And in my first big book, I crossed out the word God on every single page. So I really had some major resistance. And I bought into choosing my own conception of God. And I was really willing to do that. But it was hard because my ego and my mind don't want to know God. And, you know, it's such a threat to my mind. And my mind, my ego continue to work hard and to stay attached to my old beliefs, my beliefs that were given to me in childhood. And that was the belief that God is punishing. And the hard thing about staying in conscious contact with God, I think, has... uh, it's kind of a twofold thing. It's about acceptance and surrender. First, I have to accept that my mind is going to continue to do that. It's going to try to convince me that it knows God and it doesn't want to experience God. It wants to be able to figure out. That's the nature of my mind. And once I can accept that that part is part of me too, I can just choose to surrender thoughts, thoughts about what my mind wants to think God is. And I can choose to surrender. So this is what the experience is for me, the spiritual experience. You know, it has so much to do with surrendering my mind and seeking this experience with God, not having to know and just not knowing what God is or what God isn't, just knowing nothing about God. And I have to accept that my mind wants to know and explain and it's full of fear and it thinks that it can control things and it thinks it can make God predictable and then I'll be safe. So that's how my mind works. But the truth is God is unknown and it's unexplainable. And when I can accept that also, it doesn't have to be scary. You know, today as a recovered person practicing a daily spiritual connection, I'm looking for an experience. I'm not trying to know. I just practice allowing the presence of God to be in me. And I write... 
I mean, I, I invite uh, God in and try not to know, try not to let it go to my mind. I just try to go to the experience. And letting go of this control is, it can be frightening at first. My mind wants to rescue me and make me comfortable, but it's such a good learning curve for me to just constantly be practicing that surrender. And the more that I practice that surrender, the more that I see that this, this power that I can't explain is big and it's benevolent and my experience with it is unique and it's unique in every moment that I'm able to be connected to it. And the only thing we're required to do that we're told here in this paragraph is to be willing and honest enough to try. That's all we have to do is show up willing and honest, and then a higher power does the rest. I don't have to know what's going to happen, and I don't have to know what that experience mm. is going to be like. I just allow it to be in charge and to take over. So I just need to get past my mind and surrender my thoughts in order to get to that experience. Thanks. That's what I got past. Thank you, Marie J. Penny C. Good morning, Rebecca. This is Penny C., recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. Oh, my goodness. Um, this, these two paragraphs really, really uh, spoke to me this morning, especially the part where it says that um, um, we need to, as someone just, just spoke on, uh, we need to be willing and honest enough to try to understand other people, to understand, um, you know, what what our higher power is, what we would like our higher power to be. Um, you know, um, I heard once that the that these twelve step rooms in these twelve step rooms there are no undesirables. Everybody is welcome, no matter no matter who or what or or where they come from. And as a human being, I find that sometimes, you know, I I uh, make make judgments, and I grew up. Um, as as most human beings do, with with certain prejudices that I didn't even realize I had, and uh, so thank God for this, you know, away. I came here like most people because I wanted to lose weight, and it was literally the last house on the block. And um, the benefits that I've received are enormous, way beyond. The abstinence I've I've been given so graciously given, and the friendships I've made. Moreover, more than that, it's this whole idea of being willing and and um, working toward understanding my fellow human beings and giving up that judgmental place. Um, every day I work on that, and and I find. That you know, it's I like I like myself better when I'm not judgmental, and yet you know I fail I fail sometimes. You know I'll never I'll never rise above this level of being human. But the good news is that I recognize it when a prejudice appears, and I can pray to God, and I can work. <clears throat> excuse me. I can work toward better better understanding. And love, uh, love and understanding of each and every person I meet. So this uh, this this big book is is so much more than dealing with the 
you know, drinking, or for us translating it into dealing with our overeating, it it, it affects every single aspect of my life. And I just want to um, put out a, 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 a shout out, I guess, for the special edition yesterday where the speaker addressed this living God um, concept in such a beautiful way. Uh, if anyone missed that yesterday, I would strongly suggest that you would, you know, go on um, the phone or on your computer and listen to yesterday's special edition. Um, it was it was just exquisite. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Penny C. The special edition meeting yesterday is 11064, if you're interested, 11064. Leslie W. Good morning. Thank you. This is Leslie W., a recovered compulsive overeater in Tennessee. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to share about the sentence. Um, Those having religious affiliations will find here nothing disturbing to their beliefs or ceremonies. There is no friction among us over such matters. Um, I, I just really felt a nudge from from my higher power to um, address the believers out there this morning. Um, when I first came into the program, I was a believer. I still am a believer. Um, the higher power term bothered me. It's funny hearing all these people talk about how the God term bothered them. Well, the higher power term bothered me um, because, uh, you know, I <laughs> I felt that um, – that it was almost going against my, that it was going against my beliefs. Um, taught to believe that, that in one, in one God and, and, and that um, there, there is one way. And, you know, but the, 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 the amazing thing about what happened to me was that I discovered that I was just as prejudiced as others about that term. Um, I was just as prejudiced as, say, an atheist would be about the word God. Um, I was prejudiced about the word, the words higher power. And I tried, I've spoken with a lot of people who do come from <clears throat> religious background and Christian faith that try to opt out of this program, identify out because of the way um, God is spoken about or the higher power term is used. And I just want to say, I did that. I tried that. <laughs> um, it didn't work. It really didn't. And um, the reason it didn't work was because I can't, I can't save myself. I can't save myself, and I can't recover from this disease by myself. And I need this program. And it has taught me how to be tolerant of other people in other faiths um, in other religions and to learn um, from, from others um, that the realm of the spirit is wide and all inclusive and that God can be found by all of us. Um, so I just wanted to, to say that this morning and with, with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leslie W. 
Lynette R. Lynette, star one to unmute. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes. Good morning, okay, Lynette. Sorry. Lynette R., recovering compulsive overeater from Texas. Um, I love this passage and especially love the concept of discovering God. Um, I, I knew of a God from a very young age. I remember at the age of four, looking out of my bedroom window and thinking I saw Jesus on the moon and talking to him. And uh, went, you know, my entire life was, seemed to be centered around going to church, going to extra activities at church. And so I, I, I knew and truly never really doubted God. But um, as I went through life, I, I experienced some of what uh, Raquel referred to as the life of suffering. And finally, that life landed me in rehab for major depression. And when I checked into the rehab, they, they asked me, what is your concept of God? And I said, he's the ATM in the sky, and I've forgotten my pin code. Because I could not um, could not find or guess his blessings. I'd gone through so many things that I was like, what in the world is going on, and where are you? Um, but it was actually in rehab that um, God allowed me to see him in new ways. and opened my eyes to a different concept of God, a different understanding of God. And interestingly enough, he did that through um, a man who was in my particular group, who was a Rhodes Scholar, um, Oxford Professor of Philosophy, and an atheist, a humanist. And um, I was an English and philosophy major in college and was just intellectual, intended to intellectualize everything in my life as well. But one evening as he and I were walking and talking about um, higher power, because while in rehab we had to participate in a 12-step program, and he was struggling with that higher power concept. And he shared with me um, the one one thing that just um, woke me up. He said, well, now what I'm experiencing or what I'm seeing here is that when we are in group, and we are sharing our truth, sharing what is going on in our lives. And as group members, we are accepting, listening, and responding with kindness and forgiveness to the person who is sharing. We begin to experience the characteristics of God. And I, I have to say I've just gasped at that because I was like, that's so true. Where two or more are gathered, I am in their midst. That's what God says about himself. And I began to see that I could not be, the best place for me to experience God was in these groups where two or more are gathered. And it began to change my concept of God because it was in the sharing, it was in the being together, it was in opening myself up and my vulnerability that mm-hmm. I began to, to see God. But then I also, the discovery process went on beyond to where I see God in sunsets, um, see God in a baby space. The spiritual experience just broadens and goes on and on, but for me it starts here in this group. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Lynette R. 
Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Monday, February 19, 2018, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 11066. That's 11066. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Marie J. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Yes, thanks. This is Marie J. Recovered in Colorado. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you Find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of a happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.